Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would help me to share your word clearly um, as we look at this passage of scripture, Lord, and uh, open each person's heart what you have to say by your Holy Spirit to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, two weeks ago, we looked at the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist and the Spirit of God descending and resting upon Jesus. And I said that Jesus' baptism was one of identification and affirmation. Jesus, the Son of God, was publicly accepting his Father's will and mission for him, and he was identifying with mankind in order to begin to complete his mission on earth, atoning for our sins and thus re reconciling us to God. God the Father was affirming Jesus at that time, and he continued to affirm him through his ministry. I said the Holy Spirit was descending and resting upon Jesus as a picture of his anointing for his mission with the power and authority that he needed for that mission. It was a commissioning that was happening. And that happened when Jesus was 30 years old. What was he doing before he was 30? Well, he was working as a carpenter. And he, of course, was reading and studying God's word. God wasn't in a hurry. God fulfills his plan in his time. Well, the first thing that happened after Jesus's commissioning, after his baptism and after the Holy Spirit came uh, uh, and alighted on him in the form of a dove, was the Holy Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He led him into the wilderness, and it doesn't say how the Spirit led him. Was it a voice or by intuition? We don't know, but he led Jesus. The Gospel of Mark actually says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He had weakened his body to the point of starvation. He had used up all his all its, his body's food energy reserves to the point that his body was being physically weakened. Why? Well, I think it was because Jesus wanted to rely on the Holy Spirit's power for this great battle that he knew was to be fought. He didn't want to rely on his physical strength at all. And the onslaught began in the form of words spoken to him, not by the Spirit of God, but by Satan. And this is interesting because what it means is that if Satan or demons could speak to Jesus, then demons can also speak to us. And basically, if you are a Christian who has given your life to Jesus as Lord, and evil thoughts come into your mind, especially if they're in the form of sentences, that is an indication of a conscious entity that is not you speaking to you. And you can and you must reject those thoughts. Don't own those thoughts. 
They are not yours if you are a Christian. Reject them. Fight against such things in the way that Jesus did. Satan tempted Jesus with a question, and not just any question, but one that, that put to question the very words that Jesus' father had spoken to him 40 days earlier. Those words, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, that God the father said to Jesus after he was baptized. Well, Satan in the wilderness said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. In other words, if you really are the son of God, if you have the same power and authority as God over creation, then use that authority to satisfy yourself, to satisfy your body, your body's needs just now. If you were the son of God, if you are the son of God, Satan said. Satan was trying to engage Jesus in the same way that he engaged with Eve in the garden, whose, whose name means life, by the way. He was trying to sow doubt in Jesus's mind about God and God's word and God's authority that was given to Jesus. He wanted Jesus to take the bait. But what did Jesus do with those words? He rejected them. He spoke with authority back to Satan. He used God's written word, God's law to his people, of which Jesus was one, saying, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, from Deuteronomy 8.3. You know, you, if you are a Christian, are living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You are meant to. That's what Jesus was doing from his childhood on. He was feeding on God's word and, and he astonished the teachers of God's law when he was 12 because of what he had been doing. He had put God's word inside of him into his mind so that the Holy Spirit could bring it out when needed. We too need God's word for that very same purpose and even for spiritual life. How do you think God breathes his spirit into us each day except by his living word? Don't neglect it, even for a day. I encourage you to begin and to end your day with God's word. And in between, whenever you feel down, whenever you feel oppressed by anything, go to God's word. That's what I do. I have always, I'm always going to the Psalms and, and reading. What I find most intriguing in the gospel passage of Jesus' temptation is that the Holy Spirit seems to have wanted Jesus to engage Satan because the Holy Spirit after all is the one who sent Jesus to the wilderness battlefield and Jesus complied so don't be surprised if you are also Jesus's disciple 
don't be surprised if you are sent at times to engage with evil spirits as a Christian soldier. But be sure to get into God's word first and to, and to depend on God's word alone as you do it and depend on Jesus Christ. When, when I was publicly called to ministry by a word of the Lord, I met with the pastor of my church back then and he asked me, and this was a few weeks afterward, what I was doing about my calling. Well, I hadn't been doing anything intentionally about it. I didn't know what to do. In fact, I was rather surprised and afraid by the calling. And I felt incapable, incapable of such a calling and, and unworthy. Well, the pastor told me what to do. He told me to prepare for ministry by studying God's word. And that goes for every Christian, not just those preparing for ordained ministry, because every Christian is going to be in a battle. Every Christian is going to need to use God's word in your own callings and also in your battles against the devil. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on, a, on the pinnacle of the temple. Did you hear that? The devil took him up. That's in verse 5. I'm quite sure that the devil didn't fly Jesus up there because that wouldn't have been real. But this was a real temptation. And the devil said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, again questioning God's authoritative word to Jesus, that he was the Son of God. But Satan again says, If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down, for it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. It seems the devil is actually using God's word here. The devil countered Jesus' original defense when Jesus used God's word by using God's written word himself back to Jesus from Psalm 91. But he used God's word in a twisted way, even trying to tempt Jesus with suicide. I mean, think about it. After Jesus gave himself fully to God's will in baptism, identified with humanity, sin and all, and the first 40 days after he did that were solid physical and mental torment. The devil gets him to this place. The devil was saying, hey, you've already identified in baptism with man's sin and you have to die anyway, Jesus. Why not force God's hand? Why not end it all right now? if God doesn't do what he said in his word and send angels to, to rescue you. Well, Jesus didn't buy it. 
Jesus comes right back again, responding to those evil words with God's word again from Deuteronomy 6. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then the devil turned from trying to tempt Jesus to question God's word to trying to tempt him with material riches and power in this world in exchange for worship of him. Again, it says, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. In Luke's version of, the, of that story, the devil claimed that, uh, that all of that had been delivered to him and therefore he could give it to whoever he willed. Luke 4, 6, but, but that's not so. The devil is always lying and deceiving. Yes, Adam and Eve may have yielded their God-given dominion to the devil, but God the Father sent Jesus to vanquish the devil and to take that power from him. That's why Satan was so much uh, afraid and after Jesus. There, Satan showed his true colors, though. He showed his arrogance. He showed his defiance of God. And Jesus then exercised his authority over Satan, saying, Away with you, Satan. And he continued to use God's written word in, in sending Satan away. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Luke 4 tells us the devil departed until an opportune time, which we regard as the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus defeated him yet again. I suppose the angels came and ministered to Jesus, probably as, as they did with Elijah in, in 1 Kings 19. But they did so in God's time, not Satan's, and without Jesus using his power for himself. God sent those angels to minister to him and he was ready for ministry. So how does this story relate to us Christians today? Well, first we need to understand God's word. We need to understand and put God's written word into us. We need to be fed by God's word daily because just as Jesus said, we don't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We live by God's word. And that's how God continues to breathe his life into us through his word and his spirit. Secondly, 
we need to recognize that the devil is real. And he's a real threat to us and, and to our loved ones. And he uses real words. And he'll even go to the extreme to use God's word, twisting it, trying to get us to question God's word and authority, especially God's word to you personally. He most certainly will try to get you to doubt God's word. Don't be surprised by that because it's his main tactic, especially when you are being sent by God on a mission. Be ready for that. Be ready for battle against the devil and against his temptations with God's word. Be aware of the devil's tactics and his schemes. As as St. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5.8, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Thirdly, we must resist the devil being steadfast in the faith. Stay close to Christ. Remember his atonement always for you. Don't allow Satan to, to fool you. Use God's word against the devil's word and, again, again, and against his temptations. It's your badge of authority and send him away in the power of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we do come to you just uh, humbly thanking you for what you did with your son, Jesus Christ, sending him to this world for us to die for our sins. Lord, that you, Lord, accepted his sacrifice, Lord, and, and you raised him from the dead. And Lord, he ascended on high and poured out his spirit upon us, that same spirit, Lord, that uniting us again, reuniting us with, with you. We thank you so much for that, Lord. And we know, Lord, that uh, Satan is not locked up yet, nor are his demons, Lord. And they are real and they're around and they attack our minds. Help us to keep our minds pure and in your word. Help us to recognize, Lord, when lies are being put into our mind by an evil source. And help us to, to go to your word often. And Lord, we depend on your Holy Spirit to bring your word back out to us in those times that we might use it as a sword against, a spiritual sword against, Lord, evil spirits. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.